Yes, yes, I love that. It really does sum up what parenting feels like to me. It's an emotional roller coaster. I've got a little boy. He's uh, 17, 18, 19 months now. His name's Justice. And uh, one moment he's smiling from ear to ear. And the next moment he's crying because he doesn't have what he wants. And then I'm like, no, little boy that I like, come back. And I start tickling him and he's smiling from ear to ear. And then he realizes I'm not his mom and he's crying all the time. And then I'm crying because I feel rejected. And it's just emotional. It is, you know, and, um, you know, we don't always like our kids, do we? Because, I mean, it's, sometimes it's, it's tough. Uh, we love them, but we don't always like them. And that's why I'm really excited to be here with you guys today to talk about how to raise kids that you like, finishing up our series, how to have a family you like. Um, but before we get into the message, I just want to, on behalf of our lead pastor, Jordan Ducote, welcome all of you and thank you for being here. Um, if you're here for your first time, we're so glad that you are. We hope you find this to be a place that you can sink down into and uh, call your home. If you're watching online with us right now or you're on Facebook Live, we're glad you're here. Um, it's going to be a great, great message about raising kids that you like. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to go through just wishing you could like them. You can really like your kids and uh, we're excited about that. So, you know, we don't only just like kids. Uh, as a matter of fact, we think that kids are a gift from God. Psalm 127 verse 3 says that children are a gift from the Lord and that they're a reward from him. Here at Northwood Church, we're a generational church, uh, but that doesn't just mean that we have all generations in one place. That means that we place a heavy emphasis on raising up the next gem. My name's Stephen. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Northwood Church, and I have the privilege of serving our next-gen ministry. That's ages birth till launch, zero to 12, 12th grade, and their parents as well. And we have an amazing team of people uh, that are serving week in and week out to do just that, to help raise up the next-gen in any way that we can. As a church, we want to partner with the family. Uh, you know, we have over 450 uh, kids and a little over 100 to 150 students every week that we are serving, and almost 300 next gen team volunteers that serve on a rotation to make that happen. And before I move on, what I want to do right now is I just want to appreciate our kids' ministry and our student ministry. Why don't y'all give it up for them? Can we do a little bit better than that? Can we give it up for our next gen ministry? Yes, come on. They're not just babysitting. They're preaching, they're teaching your children. They work really diligently to make sure that your kids have a safe environment to grow in their faith in. But it's really easy for parents and families to get the impression that because we place such a heavy emphasis on building the next gen, that it's the church's responsibility. Did you know that it's not actually the church's sole responsibility to raise your kids or to teach them the Bible or the lead them to Jesus, it's actually your responsibility too. See, in that verse that I just read a moment ago, children are a gift from the Lord. He didn't say children are a gift to the church from the Lord. They're a gift to the parent. God trusts you, the parent, with something that's so unimaginably precious to him, his children. And he trusts you with them in a time that's very difficult. As a matter of fact, we're in one of the most challenging times that I've ever read about in history, at least. And I know it's, um, you know, there's different philosophies about, well, maybe it's always been this way, but I know right now as I look around, man, there's a very complex situation being a parent trying to raise kids in this day and age. There's philosophies in this world that, that will really like to attack us and even distract us from raising our kids in a family that has biblical family values. And that's why we have to be as intentional as possible as parents and the church working together, but mostly you guys working 
to raise your kids up with biblical family values. Really, we like to call it Christ-centered parenting. So what I want to do is I want to invite Jesus into this message right now because I believe we're going to have Christ-centered parents and we need his grace on our lives. So why don't you guys join me in prayer? Lord God, we just thank you that your presence is with us. We thank you that you go with us into those places that seem impossible and you make impossible things possible. And maybe there's some people in this room right now that feel like their task that's before them as parents is a little bit impossible. God, we're just thanking you that your grace is on us and we're asking for more of it. God, we ask that you would just open our hearts up to receive from your word today, that you would touch us and change us in Jesus' name, amen. So let's get right into it. To raise kids you like, everybody wants the list, right? How do you raise kids you like? To raise kids you like, you must own the responsibility to direct your child. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. I want to turn your attention to that word direct. Direct really means to train. It means to channel. It means to funnel. It might even mean to narrow. And I think that in this culture, in our society, that's kind of the antithesis, the opposite of what our culture is telling us to do. As a matter of fact, a lot of people are saying, no, you need to give your kids all of the possibilities in the world, give them all of the opportunity in the world, give them, tell them that they can be anything and tell them that they can do anything. And, and all of that you know, has some merit, but at the same time, it's, it's out of order if it's not within the context that, of God's will for their lives and your family. So we have to narrow our children's thinking and their patterns of living in order for them to stay on the right path. In order to direct well, you have to have it or be growing in it. What is it? I'm gonna get to that in just a minute, but this is one thing I know. Monkey see, monkey do. Y'all know that? My little girl, Sayla, she's four now, and about two years ago, I remember she was laying on my chest as I was sitting on the couch and I was talking on the phone with a friend and uh, don't remember exactly what I was talking about, but I remember looking down and she was looking up at me, but she wasn't looking in my eyes and I watched her for a minute and she couldn't even see my eyes. All she was doing was watching my lips. She was watching how I was shaping my lips so that she could learn how to say what I was saying. Monkey see, monkey do. In that moment, I was so overwhelmed by the weight of responsibility that I have to ensure that the model that I am for my children reflects a Christ-centered life so that they too can, can live a Christ-centered life. Now, what is it that we have to have? Well, I believe if we're going to be Christ-centered people, we have to have Christ in our center. We have to have God in our hearts. We have to have grace on our lives. And, and we have to pursue God so that our families can have all the benefit from us knowing God. And we can lead them there as well. Now, this is something else that we need to know. A child's view of God is oftentimes shaped by their view of you. Talk about a weight. They're watching you. They're watching you and they're saying, man, that's, that's what I know to be the standard, to be the normal. Dads, especially, you're sitting here in this room. God is represented as a masculine being in the Bible. Dad, you're a masculine representation of the person of God in your, in your child's life until they can come to this place where they can separate the idea of you and a, and a God. And as you're their God in that season of life, you have to be so intentional about reflecting the character of God. You have to be so intentional about being intimate and accessible and available because otherwise their God won't be intimate and accessible and available in their mind. You have to be loving. You have to be gracious so that they'll know that their God can be loving and gracious. 
Now we all fail at times. I fail every day. I repent every single day to my wife, mostly no, to God a lot. And I even repent to my children because I know I understand the weight of responsibility that I have. And I want to make sure to lead them. And when I repent, it reflects grace. The challenge is parenting can feel very complex, huh? Anybody agree? Parenting is complex. You know, in Psalm 139, the psalmist said, thank you for making me wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. He's talking to God. He's confessing. He says, how well I know it. You ever feel like you're doing great as a parent? You're like high-fiving your wife or, or maybe, you're, you know, maybe you're a single mom and you're calling your girl. I got this thing on lock, girl. We got this thing. I'm doing so good. And then you wake up the next morning and your kid's a different kid. And you're like, I don't like this version. Go back. <laughs> It's because we're wonderfully complex. Your children are wonderfully complex. Now, they're not just complex, they're wonderfully complex. It's a good thing that they change and that there's ups and downs. Now, we have the opportunity to recognize the phase of life that they're in and to help lead them in the phase of life that they're in. As a matter of fact, every phase of life that they're in presents an opportunity for us to lead them well. So I want to break down a couple phases of life that might help you understand uh, maybe even where you're at right now. And I'm just going to kind of fly through, give you an overview. We just wanted to put some content in your hands. And actually, you don't have to write any of this down. I know there's some voracious note takers in here. I can see all of you focused on what I'm saying. Um, no, but, but there's some resources I'm going to give you closer to the end of this message where you'll be able to actually go back and look at some of these things and begin to grow in your understanding of the phase of child that your child's in phase of life. So from birth to five, everybody knows this. Newborn comes out. Pastor Jordan and Nadine are feeling this right now. Nobody sleeps, right? Ethan's keeping you up a little bit. No, y'all have the magic baby. Man, pray for me and Amy because our baby hasn't come yet and we're praying for the magic baby. So we haven't had one of those yet and uh, we could use God's grace. So, um, so nobody sleeps, right? And then, and then they get a little older and then all of a sudden it's, everything is, I can do it. I can do it, daddy. Let me do it. Let me do it. And then they're asking always, why? Why is the sky blue? Why do we do that? Why, why do I eat? Why do I have to eat that? Why this? Why that? I love answering why. I'm kind of a why guy. I, I like that. Sometimes Amy gets a little tired of it. It's not her favorite thing, but they love it. They just, they want to grow and they're sponges and they're absorbing all the information that they can possibly absorb. And, and we know that one of the goals in zero to five is to give them love and security. But ultimately, one of the biggest goals that we have is not only to give them that, but to instill biblical character in them. I want to give you some examples of biblical character that's important for our children to have. Truthfulness versus deception. We need to raise our kids to be honest and truthful. Obedience versus willfulness. Do you know that we have to, in partnership with God, break the will of our child and teach them obedience so that eventually they can learn to submit their will to God and be obedient to God. And the way that we establish that foundation in zero to five is gonna have a direct impact on their success in their relationship with God. How about self-control versus self-indulgence? Yeah, self-control is a fruit of the spirit. Yet in our culture, man, give the kids what they want. Just as a matter of fact, sometimes we're just trying to survive. We're like, I just gotta give them something to shut them up, right? You're like, give them a candy bar or something, just make them happy. And, and we overindulge instead of teaching them self-control. How about generosity versus stinginess? And talk about the character of Christ, right? Love versus selfishness. Children are born selfish. Have you noticed? My kids come out like, give me that. 
I mean, that's their first word. Give it to me. We got to teach them love. Now, this is the interesting thing. By five, a child's personality and their character traits, oftentimes that foundation is fully established by the age of five. Yeah, I heard you. Eyes are wide. Some mouths are dropped open. I see you. You got four and a half year old at the house and you're like, oh, dear Jesus, I done messed up. <laughs> I done messed up. Well, check this out. There's, there's, there's hope. You still have a chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you to that place in a little while. Let's look at the next phase, 5 to 12. We got to build on that foundation. It's all fun in a 5 to 12-year-old's mind, isn't it? Everything, anything they can do to make it fun. And they're saying things like, I've got this. And ultimately, when it all boils down to it, they just want to know that you care about them. And we have responsibility to them. My daughter, Selah, she's been unloading the dishwasher and she's been folding towels like a champ. Mama done taught her well. Since she's three, I'm like, woo, she's awesome. And we're going to add to her responsibilities as she continues to grow so that she matures in that area. And then we don't only teach them what to do and what to think, but we begin to teach them how to think. And we further shape their conscience this is an important one. We affirm the things that we like about them and the things that we believe God created them for. Do you know that your words have power? Do you know that the things you say about your child will ultimately shape the way they view themselves? If you're thinking that it's a joke when you say that about your daughter, she's internalizing that. When you think it's a joke when you're trying to teach your son to man up, He's feeling that. And we need to be very intentional about the way that we craft our language so that we build up our children and call the leadership out and call the greatness out and the potential out of our children rather than trying to use some sort of funny, you know, off-tone type of language that can actually tear them down. How about from 12 to launch? This is our impact age students. Where's my impact students? Make some noise, yeah. Man, you guys are in the room. I'm excited that, about that. And so are our 9 to 12s, by the way. So excited that our 9 to 12s are in this room. I'm going to be talking to you guys throughout this message, so don't turn off. Pay attention. Yeah, y'all know. Wake up right now. All right, no, I'm just playing. Um, 12 to launch, they're saying things like, yeah, mom, yeah, dad, I know, right? Yeah, I know all about that. And they start saying, like, this is who I am, and, and just trust me. And instead of saying why, they're saying why not. And then if they're an 11th or 12th grader, they're graduating college, they're starting to say, what's next? And ultimately, they're just growing in their autonomy of thought and choice. And all they want to do is they want to spread their wings. They want to fly. They, want to, they just want to let you let them go, right? Now, the interesting thing is, is that their brain is broken. <laughs> so did you know that the prefrontal cortex of your brain is not fully developed until you're 25 years old, yet that's the part of your brain that's responsible for helping you make rational decisions. That's why you can't rent a car. <laughs> Y'all looking at me like you're mad at me. That's all right though. It's just science. So we give them responsibility and we give them freedom because how many of you know that a young person needs a little responsibility and a little freedom even? But then ultimately we got to give them boundaries too. 
And we teach them to live within the boundaries. Did you know that parenting is like a rope? And a lot of times we let the rope way out when a kid's a kid, like birth till five, right? Or five till 12. And that rope's way out there. And you're like excusing stuff because they missed a nap or, or they didn't have the right lunch or snack. And you're excusing all this behavior. And they're out there like gnawing on the furniture. <laughs> and then you're like, don't worry about it. When they get a little older, I'll reel them in. Did you know that's the opposite? You ain't gonna be able to reel that child in. You need to have that real tight rope at that younger age. But then if you've done that, you should be able to let that rope out and give that young person some freedom at the right time in their life. Now you'll leverage important conversations and help them navigate insecurities and inaptitudes and even the deception of the world. Talk about important conversations. There's so much deception in this world. How about their identity? There's an identity crisis in our young people right now. People are, are being told that it's okay not to understand that their identity is as reflected by the word of God, that we were created as males and females, that we don't have to be what the world is telling us we have to be, that we're beautiful because God made us beautiful, that we don't have to measure up to these other standards. There's an identity crisis, and it's the parent's responsibility to lead children through that crisis. What about the talk? Any of you parents having the talk yet? Hey, did you know that the talk is not just like one talk? Did you know that the talk doesn't happen like once and then you never have to revisit the talk again? As a matter of fact, the talk is happening earlier than it ever has had to happen because of the level of exposure. And the talk has to continue to happen because it's such a complex situation with so many voices from so many different places that are trying to teach our children other things about the talk. And it's our responsibility to talk to our kids about the talk until we're confident that they have a biblical worldview about that topic. How about technology? Whew, man, this is, this is like rough water to try to navigate. Did you know that Everything that comes through technology, be it the smartphone, Netflix, YouTube, the movie theater, I don't care if it's rated G. There are, there are messages that come through, whether advertently or inadvertently, whichever reason, and they normalize whatever behavior we see on that, on that screen. It normalizes it. Now, that doesn't mean that kids can't watch that stuff. That's up to the parent to decide. But what it does mean is if they are going to be exposed to it, it's important that you help them contextualize that and navigate those thoughts. George Lucas, he's the creator of Star Wars and, and Indiana Jones, right? Y'all like George Lucas. We, we, we pretty much understand George Lucas to be one of the most prominent names in Hollywood. Well, you know what he said? I've always been aware of what I say in films because all of us who make motion pictures are teachers. Teachers with a very loud voice. We have to be a louder voice in the lives of our children, parents. So you interpret culture and you translate it for your young person. I want to give you a few tools to do that. There's some websites I'm going to point you to. You can write it on your hand or put it in your phone. I'm not going to hang out here too long though. Um, so I'll post them maybe on my personal page later if, if you guys don't get them. Axis, A-X-I-S dot org. Access.org. There's a tool in access.org. Don't think about this right now. Just access.org is the important thing, but you'll notice a, a tool called the, the culture translator. It's amazing. Take a look at that. Then there's another tool called the parentq.org. Parentq.org. It's parentq, C-U-E.org. And then one other, it's just a phase. 
itsjustaphase.org. Go check those resources out. As soon as you leave here today, I know you'll do that, right? And then through the week, you'll study them and you'll imbibe all of the resources and information. You'll begin to apply them in a strategic and tactical approach to raising up your kids, right? And then next week, you're going to come back and you're going to say, thank you, Pastor Stephen. You're going to give me a high five. And I'm going to say, blessings. <laughs> now, what, really what you're asking is you're saying, how am I supposed to find time to do this? That's what you're asking. How am I supposed to find time to do all these things? Well, let me just tell you, you're going to have to make it. You're going to have to fix your rhythm so that your rhythm is centered around Christ first, your wife second, raising your kids in the way that they should go, and living y'all's lives in a way that reflects that. You have to create a rhythm around life like that. As a matter of fact, parenting takes twice the work and half the time. Get used to it. I'm trying to. We got to be flexible. Got to be flexible people. So to raise kids you like, you must own the responsibility to direct your child. Next thing, to raise kids you like, you must be willing to correct what you direct. Proverbs 15, 5 says, only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whatever, uh, learns, whoever learns from di- correction is wise. Now, 9 to 12s impact students, who in here can't stand when your parent corrects you? I got one honest person, two. Okay, awesome. The majority of you would have raised your hands had you not been sitting right next to your parent. I know, that's okay. But look, the fact that you can't stand that correction indicates, according to the Bible, that you have some foolishness in you. Now, I'm going to continue to talk to you students and you kids. You've got to obey your parents. You've got to honor your parents. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, assuming you belong to the Lord. And it's the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Oh, snap. He done went New Old Testament on us. He done brought it out. The Ten Commandments still valid, y'all. But the interesting thing is it comes with a promise. And this is what you need to get. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on earth. Who wants things to go well for them? I do. So honor your parents. Obey your parents, young people. Proverbs 6.23 says, For their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. Did you know that you will find life in discipline? Proverbs 17.10 says, A single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of the fool. And you're saying, Mom, Dad, get off my back. And they're saying, Just listen to me. Just receive my correction. (laughs) Parents, it's not just kids. We need to grow in what discipline means as well. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And all the moms say, I told you you were doing something wrong, Father. Because he's just talking to the dads up in here. No, no, there's a reason why that happened, but we're not going to deal with that today. This is for moms and dads, and all of you have a responsibility to discipline properly in a way that doesn't reflect anger or wrath, in a way that doesn't stir your kids to wrath so that, so that you can actually raise them up in the way that the Lord would have you do it. Proverbs 13, 24 says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. That's strong. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Now that doesn't fit the modern parenting narrative, does it? Put them in a corner. And that's okay. That's one method, and I think it's effective for certain types of children. I think it's effective for even children that do require maybe a little paddling from time to time. 
but we can't argue with what the Bible says. It's necessary that we understand what the Bible says and that we apply it. Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline your children while there is a hope, while there's a chance. Jesus. So for all you guys that had your eyes wide open, you're like, help me, Lord. There's a chance. What do you have to do? You got to start disciplining those children and praying over them and believing God. Discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad, according to Proverbs 29. And we all want glad hearts, don't we? So how do we do it? That's the big issue. How we discipline? Well, first, it's got to be grace-based. Grace-based correction. So what does grace-based correction look like? Well, it's got to be full of love. According to the Bible, love covers a multitude of sin. I told you earlier that the way that you engage your kids is going to help them get a view of the way that they're going to be able to engage their God. And if you go in there hauling off all angry, in the heat of the moment, tearing them kids up, whether it's verbally or with a rod, you're going to damage your kid. And it has to be full of love. Second, it takes time. My little girl, Selah, man, first thing I do when I go to correct her, I remove her from the environment where the trespass was happened, mainly because that's where the people are, and I don't want her to feel the embarrassment of my correction. Second, I sit her on my lap, and I make her look at my eyes. And then she looks away, and I make her look at my eyes, and then she looks away, and then I make her look at my eyes, and then she looks, and, 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 and it takes time. And then I tell her, this is how you're going to be disciplined. This is why you're going to be disciplined. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I do. Okay. And then I follow through on how I told her I was going to discipline her, whether it's a corner or whatever. And then after I've disciplined her, then I make sure she understands and she repeats back to me why she was disciplined. I give her an opportunity to ask forgiveness. And I even give her an opportunity now that she's a little older to pray and ask for forgiveness. And then after she does that, I forgive her, I embrace her, I tell her I love her. And actually that leads to the third thing about based grace correction, which is restoration. It has to lead to restoration. I restore her. And then after I restore her, I take her back out of wherever it was to the place where she caused the offense. Usually it's surrounding her mom or her little brother. And I restore them to one another because the heart of the father is restoration. So to raise kids you like, you must be willing to correct what you direct. The next thing, to raise kids you like, you must acknowledge you are raising an adult that will eventually launch. A space shuttle has to launch, but in order for a space shuttle to launch, there's a lot of due diligence, a lot of work that goes into making sure that it's done properly. Years of research and data comparisons, etc. If you want your kids to launch well, you might want to start forecasting what that launch is going to look like now. You might want to start planning for it now. And if you've done your directing and correcting well, then the likelihood of that launch being successful is going to be a whole lot higher. Now, I know that some of you are in this room right now and the launch isn't going too well. And we're going to address that in just a moment. There's something for you too. But how do you launch? Well, some are ready and some are not. You have to acknowledge that first. If your child's not ready to launch, man, I love what some parents are doing right now. They're sending their students into a gap year. They're keeping them home. They're working. They're growing in responsibility. They're staying close to their parents who are their, their greatest coaches in life. They're staying close to their local church who are also a, a group of, of coaches that can help to inspire them and, and help them grow. So the gap year is actually beneficial if your child's not ready to launch. The universities are crazy places and they might not be ready for that. Then after a gap year, they might be sending them to to a local community college. We have an amazing local community college that serves South Mississippi. There's no great reason to not send them to a place like that so they can continue to mature and stay close to covering and stay close to, to a, a support system. 
There's no sense in rushing them off if they're not ready. If they're ready, what do you do? Let them launch. Now, dads don't have as much of a problem with this. <laughs> Moms, ugh, just, mm. <laughs> smelling that Perp Plus. I grew up on Perp Plus. <laughs> you got to let them go, Mom. When it's time to launch, you got to execute your exit strategy. Planning starts early, like I said. So what are you teaching them? You're teaching them financial stewardship. You're teaching them relational responsibility, educational uh, uh, vigor. You're teaching them vocational responsibility. You're helping them get vision for life. And you start that conversation as soon as you seem, as soon as they seem like they can receive that information. Start it now. Now, the thing is, is students and kids in this room right now, even you nine-year-olds that are sitting in this room right now, you have a responsibility to engage in this process. If you resist your parents, then everything that your parents do to set you up for success is irrelevant because you can take all of that and throw it down the drain. So you need to own your own personal responsibility to launch. Amen. Let it, let it flow across the room. All of, you, all of you agree, I know. Now, what if you missed it? If you missed it, there's a lot of circumstances I know that are difficult. I know some people personally that missed it, that the launch didn't go well and there's, there's damaged relationships and a lack of vision for life and so on and so forth. I think the most important thing that you can do is repent, not only to God, but to your child for missing it, for not leading them there. I think repentance is the foundation for change. And then ultimately, you need to put your foot down and say, I understand I messed up. And maybe I even messed you up a little bit. But from now on, this is what's going to happen in our house. I'm going to lead you the way that God is leading me. And I need you to follow suit because I love you and I want the best for you. I want things to go well for you. And that's what has to happen. Beyond that, if it's out of hand, man, you plead with God. You get on your knees on a regular basis and you plead for your family. And that's what you do. And that's the reality of the situation. And you invite people into your conversation. You might have a harder road, but a humble reset is never wrong. So here's some takeaways for you. You've got to be a student of your children. One, those resources I gave you are just kind of like a primer. But there's so many resources out there. I'm going to share a couple with you here in just a moment. You've got to be a student of your children. Two, you've got to be consistent. There's nothing your children need more than consistency. Consistency in correction. Consistency in your direction. You're not flip-flopping. You're not straddling a fence. If you're straddling a fence, they'll straddle a fence. And I heard that man who straddles fence has ripped pants. Everybody's going to have to be buying new clothes. You got to be resourceful. You got to resource yourself. There's a macro small group that we're going to be doing this summer on parenting. If you feel like you need help in your parenting, I encourage you to participate in that macro small group. Among some other macro small groups that are phenomenal, if you feel like your parenting is on lock, I'm sure it is, <laughs> then you might consider some of those other ones, like some emotionally healthy spirituality and stuff like that that can help you actually get free from your yesterday so that you can help your kids get free from theirs. Amen? All right. So you got to be resourceful. Blogs, podcasts, websites like the one I gave you. How about a book? I've got this book called Don't Miss It. It's a $12 book that you can get for $5 in our NC Cafe just outside of those doors. <laughs> if you look inside, there's writing on the right side for the moms and there's pictures on the left side for the dads. 
I only have a few of these though, so go ahead and get them real quick. They're like five bucks, so come with your money in your hand, okay? The next thing you gotta do, you gotta be an investor. Invest in the next gen, even if you don't have kids. You gotta invest in the next gen. Let's start with if you got kids. You got kids and you dropping them off in the kids ministry, but you're not investing back into the kids ministry. I challenge you, begin to invest, not just in your own kids, but in the next generation that is here at Northwood Church. Not only that, we need you. These kids need you. We're working very, very hard, and there is a lot of need still for people like you. You have more to offer than you think. And if you're interested in helping by serving in our next gen ministry, specifically NC Kids, I wanna let you know that in the Next Steps room just outside of these doors, you'll be able to find two kids representatives that wanna give you some details about how to get involved in NC Kids. Please, if you're not serving, go, please. Okay, now if you don't have kids, you can still serve the next gen. Go to the same place, find out some information. Here's another way that you can support the next gen. Invest in a young person. Our seventh through 12th graders are going to the Motion Student Conference this summer, and we wanna send a bunch of them. But not all of them have money. I barely got the money to go, you know what I'm saying? So, so some people need help, you know? So if you're in here, and you wanna help somebody, don't go to dinner once or twice. Invest in a young person's trip to Motion Conference. We're gonna have in the back of the room two impact representatives that can give you information about the Motion Conference. If you sponsor for 100 bucks or more, you get this rocking T-shirt that you are gonna want, believe that. And, uh, but really, the trip costs 250, and we would really like some full sponsorships. So don't feel bad if you can't do 250, do what you can, anything. But if you can do 250 or more, we're asking for it. And you, you will send a student to a life-changing experience that I'm telling you is a huge investment in the next gen. So now, what do we do with all this? I think we ask God to help us, don't you? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Lord, right now there's a lot of people in this room that are in the middle of a parenting hurricane. God, there are people in this room that are lost and have actually maybe given up and taking their hands off the wheel. There's people in this room that might have a misinterpretation of what parenting should look like according to the Bible. There's people in this room that have failed and failed and failed again. There's people in this room that are in all kinds of different circumstances. And no matter what circumstance anybody in this room is, as a parent, we need your help. We need your presence in our lives. We need your grace to empower us to accomplish your will for our lives. We need strength, God. We need vision for our families. Right now, if you're in this room and you're a parent, you're asking for these things. God, give me vision for my family. Give me vision for raising up my children. Let me direct them in a way that reflects everything back to you, that you get the glory for it and that they benefit from it. Let me correct them in a way that reflects your love. God, ultimately, that we can launch them as adults that are full of the love of God, that have a strong faith, that will receive the baton of faith and lead this next generation into your kingdom. God, we're asking for wisdom. There's other people that are in this room right now. Maybe the reason you're struggling in your parenting is because you never had good parenting yourself. Maybe you didn't know the love of a father. Maybe you didn't know the gentleness of a mother. 
Or maybe your parents just didn't have all the tools and resources that they needed and they did their best, but they missed some things and, and it's left you a little bit deficient now as an individual, but also in your parenting. And then maybe, maybe there's some of you who are just reckless in your life right now. You're just reckless and it's endangering your children. It's even endangering you in your own soul. And right now, those of you that are saying, yeah, that's me, you need a touch from God. You need salvation. You need to be restored to a right relationship with the Father. And he's here with us and he wants to touch you. He's already knocking on the door. You just have to answer and say yes. If that's you in this room right now and you want salvation, you want forgiveness for your sin, you want to be raised to the newness of life, you want to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. If that's you in this room, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. You can raise your hands right now. I see you in the back there. I see you over here. I see you in the back. I see more of you. Sometimes it's hard to acknowledge that we're off, isn't it? But God's softening your heart right now and he's telling you, you need me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you begin to want me. But he's telling you, first of all, I want you. I wanna love you. So right now, if you prayed that, or if you raised your hand, or, or you just uh, thought that thought in your mind without even raising your hand, just agree in prayer with me right now. God, I need you. I want you to take all of my good, all of my bad. I surrender my life to you right now, and I give you my all. I want you to change my life, and I wanna live for you for the rest of this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on. Let's give it up for those people that prayed that prayer. And more so, let's give it up for God for being here with us today and doing a great work. Thanks so much for watching Northwood Church. Wherever you're watching from, we want you to know that we consider you family. We as a church want to help people know God, and our hope is that today you are encouraged and closer to God through this program. If you just prayed that prayer, first let me say congratulations. Starting your relationship with God is the best decision you can make, but it's also just a start, and we want to help you on your journey of faith. If you're watching and you want to become a partner in what God is doing in South Mississippi through Northwood Church, you can give simply by texting the amount you want to give to the number 228-215-3421. Again, that number is 228-215-3421. By giving, you're helping local food pantries, women's resource centers, missions, outreaches, and so much more. Even just $5 can go a long way. Again, text the amount to 228-215-3421. Northwood is one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, Mississippi, and we'd love to see you there. You can check out our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Be sure to connect with us at northwood.tv or on social media to stay up to date with all the exciting things happening around Northwood Church. Thank you for watching, and we hope to see you soon.